is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? Why is the whole world in decline? Why is America in decline? Why has morality failed? Why do we not see a nation that is getting closer to God? We see a nation that is getting further and further away from God. Why has Christianity failed? In a moment of quiet time, Billy Graham confessed to his family that he felt like he'd been a failure. The reason was quite simple. After being seen and heard by millions of people, he did not see a nation that was any closer to God. Now, this is amazing. I mean, if this is something Billy Graham could see 20, 30, 50 years ago, imagine if he were still alive today, what he would say today. And it's not rocket science. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to figure this one out. I'm not saying Christianity will not work. I'm just saying the kind of Christianity we've been practicing as a nation will not work. And you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure that one out. There are 450,000 churches in America. Let me correct that. That statistic was taken 12 years ago. Today, there's 380,000 churches in America. Yeah, the churches are dropping off. I heard one statistic that said 100, closed, 100 churches close every week. So they're getting smaller and smaller in numbers. Churches shutting down, closing. There's 650,000 preachers in America. So why has morality failed? 68% of Americans say divorce is morally acceptable. Yeah, that's what 68, that's what the majority of Americans say. It's morally acceptable. The divorce rate among Christians is the same as non-Christians, about 50%. Not a bit of difference between a Christian and a non-Christian when it comes to the divorce rate. 60% of Americans say baby, having a baby outside of marriage is morally acceptable. Get this, 60% of Americans say having a baby outside of marriage, not a thing wrong with it. 60%. 59% of Americans say gay and lesbian sexual relationships are morally acceptable. Well, morally acceptable to who? To us? Who gives a flip? We gotta be concerned about what God thinks. 63% of Americans say sex between unmarried men and women is morally acceptable. I'm surprised that number. Well, these numbers are about 12 years old. I'm sure they've gone up a lot. These statistics, at least 12 years old. I got them off the Glenn Beck program. But yeah, I'm sure they've gone way up now. And despite all the Christian broadcasting and evangelism and soul-saving campaigns, there's about a 84 to 97% fall-away rate. In other words, when they try to go back to contact these people that gave their heart to the Lord or raised their hand and accepted Jesus into their heart, they can't find them. They're not in church. They're nowhere to be found. Very little commitment, in other words. No matter 
how religious you are, you've got to face the reality that morality has failed, no matter how religious you think you are. No matter how you know, committed you think you are, when it comes to morality, morality has failed, especially when it comes to changing a nation for the better. You have to admit this. You have to admit this. Now, I want to address and answer the question why today. Why has Christianity not worked? Why has morality failed? Why does the world keep getting worse? Number one, here we go. Christianity is a passive, part-time spectator's event. I mean, it is. Going to church is a spectator's event. I mean, what do you do in church? You sit there, you're a head nodder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, boy, preacher, brother, preacher, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm, yeah, 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 mm. Yeah, it's a spectator's, it, it's like going to a movie. It's entertainment. What I'm about to say is from the AFA, American Family Association. In 1973, the Supreme Court said it was okay to kill unborn babies. Since then, we have killed more than the entire population of Canada. And it continues to be a woman's choice. Half of those who have died in their mother's wombs have been women. They didn't have a choice. It's called abortion. But me... I go to church, the minister preaches, I go home. That's what Christians do now. First it was in dingy, dirty theaters, then convenience stores, then grocery stores, then on television. Now it's in the homes of millions via the internet. It's called pornography. Me, I go to church, the minister preaches, I go home. That's what Christians do now. They call it no fault. Why should we blame anyone when something so tragic happens to them? Haven't they already suffered enough? Half the marriages in America will end this way. The children suffer. The family is broken down. It's called divorce. It's called divorce. Me, I go to church. The minister preaches. I go home. That's what Christians do now. At one time, it was a perversion. We kept it a secret. Now it's praised. We have parades celebrating it and elected officials who practice it. Now it's endorsed with special privileges and protections by special laws. Even some Christian leaders and denomination praise it. It's called homosexuality. Me, I go to church and the minister preaches. I go home and that's what Christians do now. It used to be an embarrassment, a shame. Now a third of all births are to mothers who aren't married. Two-thirds of all African-American children are born into homes without a father. The state usually pays the tab. That is why we pay our taxes, so that government can take care, take the place of parents. After all, government bureaucrats know more how better to raise children than parents do. It's called illegitimacy. Me, you guessed it, I go to church, the minister preaches, I go home. That's what Christians do now. Yeah, going to church, 
has become nothing more than a spectator's event. Now, in Genesis 22 and verse 18, it says this, and in speaking to Abraham here, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So what's my point? My point is this, when the rubber meets the road and our religion goes from being a passive part-time spectators event to obedience, people change, nations change. Unless you missed it, let's read it again. Genesis 22 and verse 18. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Why, why would we be blessed? Because of obedience. There's a big difference between going to church as a passive part-time spectators event and obedience to God and what he says to do. Big difference between the two. The second reason why has Christianity not worked and why has morality failed, it is because you can't change without the Spirit of God. You've got to have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God and there's a way to receive it. You can't change without the Spirit of God. Now, most churches don't even teach this. Most churches don't even understand what the Spirit of God is. Let me illustrate this for you by reading you a part of the Athanasian Creed. This is a Catholic explanation of what the Spirit is. As I read it, I want you to think, do you get it? Are you getting it? Okay. Whosoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. Now that's a rather biased opinion right there. Which faith except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlasting. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the person nor dividing the substance. Neither confounding the person nor dividing the substance. When's the last time you used those words together? For there's one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. Such as the Father is, such as the Son is, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, the Holy Spirit incomprehensible. Do you know what that means? Incomprehensible. It means you can't get it. Even if you wanted to get it, you couldn't get it. Incomprehensible. This is a confession that God, the Father, the Son, you can't get them. You can't understand a thing about them. Okay. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal, and yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there, there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensible, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, the Holy Spirit almighty, and yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. My head is like a pinball machine when it goes tilt. You know, pinball, when you play in pinball, it goes tilt, and it just doesn't work anymore. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is, is the Lord, the Son, Lord, and the Holy Spirit is Lord. And yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. 
And it concludes by saying, he therefore that will be saved must thus think of the Trinity. This is the Catholic faith without except a man believe faithfully he cannot be saved. You got to believe this. Hell, you can't even get it. I mean, you can't even understand. How are you going to believe it if you can't understand it for pity's sakes? This is what you call so much religious jargon. Religious irrelevancy. irrelevancy. Did you get it? Did you? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, now I understand what, what the Trinity is. No, you didn't get it. If you say you did, you're lying through your teeth. Okay? And most churches don't even understand what the Spirit of God is. Therefore, they don't know how to receive the Spirit of God. God is not a Trinity. He is not three distinctions in one. There are two members of the family of God. Father and Son. Let us, me and you, Father and Son, create man after our own image. The Spirit of God is the very power that flows from the Spirit and the Son, and their desire is to create sons and daughters of God. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the power that flows from the Father and the Son. Now, what messes people up about this issue of the Trinity is, a, is it's called the use of personification. Now, I'll take a little time to explain this, the use of personification. Here it is, John 16 and verse 13. But when he, referring to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This is the use of personification. You take a pronoun like he, and you use it to explain the Spirit of God. And the assumption is, well, because it uses the pronoun he, then the Spirit must be another he, or a third member of the family of God. Not so at all. It's just the use of personification. So does this mean that the Spirit of God is a he? No. Does it mean that it's a third distinction of the family of God? No. Does it mean that there's three members of the God family? No. Does it mean that God is a trinity? No. No, it does not. Now, let me illustrate personification a little bit more deeply here with the use of the word wisdom and the description of what wisdom is. Proverbs 8 and verse 1. Does not wisdom cry and understand Understanding put forth her voice. She stands in the top of the high places, by the way, in the place of the paths. She cries at the gates and at the ent entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Until you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the Son of Man. So what am I saying? I'm saying wisdom is personified as a woman. She has a mouth. She cries out. She walks up and down the street. She says, how long will you reject me, O simple ones? But if I say, if I come to you and I say, man, you've got wisdom. I'm not talking about you've got a woman inside of you. No, you know exactly what I mean when I say you have wisdom. So the Bible uses personification over and over again. 
It takes a description like he and refers to he as the spirit of God. It takes a woman and refers to woman as a wisdom. It's the use of personification. It doesn't literally mean that wisdom is a woman. It doesn't literally mean that the spirit is a he or a third member of the family of God. Wisdom is not a woman any more than the Spirit of God is a he or a third member of the family of God. The Spirit of God is the power that comes from the Father and the Son. And that power is something that you can receive at baptism. And God's intent is to create children through that Spirit. You receive at baptism through the laying on of hands part of God's spiritual DNA. All right. So what troubles me is this. People are taken to the halfway point. For example, like a Billy Graham campaign, they've got this beautiful music, maybe a powerful moving message, and the, the invitation goes out. Come, come just as you are. And of course, the shields get up first. The shields are the ones that work for the Billy Graham campaign. They're counselors, and they, they go first because no one wants to be the first person to stand up and go down to the altar. So the shields that work for the campaign go, to, go up first. And they're told, you know, okay, you've given your heart to the Lord, now choose the church of your choice. But they're not told how to receive the Spirit of God. I want to offer you something here by that title, how to receive the Spirit of God. It's a step-by-step -step process that I'll send this to you free of charge so that you can understand how to receive the Spirit of God. First of all, what the Spirit of God is and how to receive it. Acts 19 and verse 2. And he said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said to him, Well, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. You know, most people have ended up on this dead-end street. Now, the question I want to ask you today is this. Do you have the Holy Spirit of God? Have you been told by your local church how the process for receiving the Spirit of God? There is a process you must go through to receive the Spirit of God. Acts 19 and verse 3. And he said to them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John, John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, now let's notice this next part of the formula for receiving the Spirit of God, Acts 19 and verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Spirit came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. This is part of the formula. Do not underestimate this. Do not overlook this. That is the laying on of hands. Acts 8 and verse 15. And when they were come down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid thee their hands on them, and they received the Spirit of God. Do not underestimate the importance of doing it God's way. God says to do it a certain way. That's exactly what he means to do, to do it that way. Now, again, the offer is how to receive the Spirit of God. 
that will explain the formula for receiving God's Spirit. You need this bit of information. I'll send it to you free of charge. Will not send it, sell your name to a mailing list. I'll, you, you get what you ask for. I'll send you that booklet free. Okay. So the second reason why, why has Christianity not worked, why has morality failed, is that you cannot change without the Spirit of God. Okay. You can't be brought to the halfway point in a campaign and you come down to the altar and you, yes, I make a confession. I invite Jesus to my heart. But you're not told how to receive. You're not told the formula for receiving the Spirit of God. It doesn't work. And again, most churches don't teach the formula for receiving the Spirit of God. Now, the third reason morality has failed and religion has failed is simply this. Jesus never promised that man's churchianity would convert the whole world and turn it into a utopian world. No, he never promised that our religion would save the world from destruction. Now, he did say all nations would be blessed, and that's conditional. It's, the blessing is conditional upon obedience, and we have failed in the area of obedience. But he said all nations would be blessed, but not create a utopian world. That utopian world, that kingdom of God, will not be established until Christ sets his feet on the Mount of Olives, as prophecy says, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up at this, you know, the sun being lifted up? He will come in like manner on this earth. Christ is returning to this earth to set up his government on this earth to create a utopian world of paradise right here. Okay, Matthew 24 and verse 22, Jesus said this, except those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. What does that mean? He's saying, unless I shorten this time period that we're in right now, called the last days, there's not going to be any flesh, there's not going to be any people saved alive. You've got to understand this. Jesus predicted our religion would not save the world. Our morality would indeed fail. And that's why he said, except I return, cut those days short, there ain't going to be no one alive to even experience it. Okay. All right. So three reasons. Why is the whole world in decline? Why is America in decline? Why has morality failed? Why religion has failed? Number one, Christianity is a passive, part-time spectator's event. Nothing more. Two, you can't change without the Spirit of God, and you have to have the formula revealed to you. Again, most churches don't teach this. Most churches don't even understand what the Spirit of God is and how to receive it, and they don't understand what the formula is. And number three, Jesus predicted our religion would not save the world, that morality indeed would fail. Except those days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. God is calling a first fruit. He's calling the elect. He's calling a remnant right now. That does not mean the rest are lost. It just means that right now, 
God is calling a remnant, a first fruit, referred to as the elect. Now, I want to offer you another offer, and that is that very title, the remnant. You need to understand, who are the remnant? Who is God working with right now? What does it take to come into a relationship with God? You need to get ordered these two free booklets, How to Receive the Spirit of God and the Remnant. Powerful two little booklets. I want to conclude with, conclude with Revelation 12 and verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know, the only way you can even do this, and that is to keep, and I'm not, I'm not saying any of us are perfect, but the only way you can actually begin to keep God's law is if you receive the Spirit of God, which where God begins a spiritual work in your life of creating a new man. It's a process. It's a lifelong process. It's a drawn out process. You don't get perfect overnight. You sure don't get perfect just because you go down in the waters of baptism and have hands laid on you for the receiving of the Spirit of God. Even at the moment of conception, when you receive the Spirit of God, and it is a moment of conception, just like when an impregnation takes place and a new creature inside begins to develop inside the mother's womb, it's the same similarity with when you receive the Spirit of God. A new creature starts to develop inside of you, but that new creature takes a lifetime to develop. But this is a powerful verse here because it says the enemy is going to go to war with a specific group of people. Not those that just say, oh, I love you, Jesus. I've raised my hand, invite you into my heart. No, he goes to war with those that keep his commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. He goes to war with those who have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God dwelling on inside of them. Those who have God's spiritual DNA written upon their hearts. That's who the enemy goes to war with. Those that keep his commandments. So brace yourself for what's coming. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is the Spirit of God is not something that you're born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.